text that into 84321 anytime this morning. You can drop it off in the back, go online, many different ways to do that. Uh, but again, we are so thankful for you. Thanks for being here. And would you just help me in welcoming Pastor Stu this morning, bringing the message. You, uh, you made me laugh, and then I spilled water all over the table. Um, <laughs> sorry, bud. Uh, good morning, family and friends. How are we? Doing well? Doing well? Happy New Year to you. A uh, new series begins today called Strange New World. <clears throat> We're going to be anchoring in Galatians for the good part of the next uh, six, eight weeks. And oh my goodness, you're an angel. Thank you, my friend. Uh, the next six or eight weeks, quite the gaffes, too. Um, and then I... And then I uh, dusted my son in the front row uh, with the remains of it. Uh, gosh, Stu, you're off to a great start. Uh, Galatians, over the next six to eight weeks. Uh, so turn there now if you haven't already and, um, you know, hold a, uh, an eye there on Galatians chapter one, which is where we will start today. Uh, everybody has that one friend. Maybe you have multiples, but everybody's got at least that one friend who completely embodies the idea of the friend who gives tough love. You're probably thinking of a name immediately already when I say uh, that friend who embodies tough love. The name of that person in your life uh, for whom you could be at the most important business lunch or uh, family gathering of your life with a giant piece of lettuce in your front tooth, and they would tell you. It's that friend, right? It's that friend who will risk your own embarrassment to tell you the truth, to tell you actually what's going on. You, you know the friend. It's the friend who will not hesitate to tell you when you roll up, what, what are you wearing? <laughs> right? What, what is that? Uh, it's the friend who, uh, no matter what, will be honest with you. It's the friend that when you ask, hey, was I too pushy in that conversation? will say, yeah, yeah, you were. Or was I being kind? Uh, the other, hey, be, be honest with me. Was I being kind? Yeah. And you don't even get the sentence out of your mouth, and they go, no, no, you weren't. <laughs> you just know you can count on them, to be honest. Well, for a, a good number of the New Testament churches, and specifically the church in Galatia, the Apostle Paul was that friend. He was that friend who loved the church enough to tell them, hey, you got a big piece of lettuce in your teeth. <laughs> you, you, got, you got something going sideways here. The issues of their day uh, are different in some regards to the issues of our day. But so much of the way Paul encourages the church in Galatia to approach the issues of their day translate perfectly for that. The issues of that day in the church of Galatia really stemmed around one major issue. There are a couple things going on, but one kind of major issue, which was the divide between the Jews and the Gentiles. And you have these two different groups trying to figure out how to follow Jesus. You had the Jewish Christians who had been raised in these Jewish customs and now had added Jesus to their customary religion. And they're trying to figure that out. And Paul and Peter and others were saying, you, you can't add him to what you've been doing and make it make sense. 
It's got to be Jesus. And to the Gentiles, they were saying, hey, we kind of want to continue to live our sort of pagan worldly life and add Jesus to that. And Paul and Peter and others are often saying to them, no, 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 you're getting it wrong too. You can't just add Jesus on. But Paul starts with, and so often in the book of Galatians, comes back to the, the central way in which we navigate whatever the issues of the day may be. Paul starts with, and he comes back with, the words, good news. Over and over and over again, you will see in the next eight weeks, this phrase, good news, which is also synonymous with the word gospel. You will hear me say it in a synonymous way with the way of Jesus. So often, the words good news or gospel can kind of be lost on us as words we don't use in our common everyday anymore. We can often think about it as just simply the way of Jesus. Some is gained and some is lost in so many of these words, but you'll see and hear us use those synonymously. And much is the same in this day, in this hour, for us, Disciples Church. And, and let me be clear, as I've done so many times over the years, I'm not talking about the Big C Church. Big C Church is great and grand, and tomorrow morning when I go back to work, that's what I'll have to think about in my day job. But I'm talking about right now, Disciples Church. We're only concerned with us for these moments. Exhausted by a few years of disagreement in this room over the pandemic, over personal freedom, over politics. There's got to be a couple other P's we could throw in there. Over Trump, over whoever the antithesis of Trump is on the other side of the aisle. We've all learned carefully and strategically how to duck the conversations we don't have any interest in having. Uh, I was just recently at a gathering of only Disciples Church people where in the course of the conversation, somehow, and I have no idea how, the conversation turned to politics. And immediately, people in the room started making these blanket statements that were sort of rooted in this, anybody who doesn't see it my way is an idiot. And I got up and said, well, it's been great being together. Love you all. Good night. And I walk out of the room and somebody followed me out of the room and goes, oh, I just can't do it. I can't do one more conversation, right? And I walk up the stairs to where I was going and thought, darn it, I think I screwed that up. I don't think I'm supposed to just run away from that. But that's not really my world and I don't really want to get into it. I'm just tired. I'm just sick and tired of it, right? And we all kind of have learned how to do it. Now, some of us uh, run away like me. Others, you know where I'm going with this. This becomes the mountain where you will sacrifice your every relationship on because you're right, darn it, and everyone else somehow, unbelievably, has it wrong. You're the one. You're, you know, whatever it is, uh, you're the oracle. You know what the rest don't know. Get off politics, too. I will quickly, trust me. You see, the, the difficulty for us as people who are trying to figure out how to follow this way of Jesus is the reality that within these issues, within the issues in your house, within the issues in your budget, within the issues in your office or your workplace or your job site or your own 
thoughts and anxieties. The call of the Christian way is always to be a proclaiming voice of good news. You see, there's just never a time for us as followers of Jesus where the option, or at least consistently, where the option is to simply extract ourselves from the conversation, to just hide under the covers, to just run away from the argument, to just say, well, you're all morons, and if only you knew like I did, you'd have it right. That's not the way of Jesus. And we kind of know that until it hits the fan. And then we we just kind of go back to who we are. We know that, hey, when this conversation comes up among my friends, I should probably lean into it, and I should should find the way the Spirit's leading for this conversation about world powers to be about the power that is Jesus. I know that in my head. I know that I, you, we have the authority and the power to shift the whole room and turn it from arguing about Dems and reps to talk about the power and the goodness of Jesus. But (laughs) in the moment... We hear the conversation go there. You go, ah, I got to get out of here. And we run out the door. Or we pick a fight and we scream and yell. And, you know, like changing minds on Facebook. How, how many times has that been successful for you, right? I believe we, uh, we need in these next eight weeks um, our new friend, the Apostle Paul, to tell us about the lettuce that's in our tea. It's going to be a little embarrassing at times. Um, I've been pretty embarrassed as I've been studying it, going, oh, no. Um, okay, Dan, you preached that week. I don't want to, right? Ooh, Michelle, you got to take that one, and I'll be out of town. Um, and I'll watch it on YouTube. Um, but I think we need our friend Paul to speak into our lives. Now, now let me just warn you before we get to the text here um, and dive in, uh, that Paul's phrases for us about, hey, don't wear that outfit, um, hey, yeah, you were mean in that conversation. That, that embarrassing revelation of who we have been in the world, it's going to come pretty thick and fast. And some of the truth that Paul is going to tell us about ourselves and about ourself as a body of people may sting a bit. But as I've been reading over Galatians in recent weeks, kind of preparing myself for the journey God's going to take us on, I was reminded of a text of scripture that I anchored in over my sabbatical in January of 2021. And I've been going back to that journal quite a bit this last week and reading some of what God was doing. And that text comes from Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, verse 5 says, An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Verse 6 says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Verse 9 of that same chapter says, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is a sweet perfume and incense. And verse 17, one that whether you've been in church or never been in church is probably familiar. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So in the midst of the next six or eight weeks, There will be times where you will be tempted to just run out of the room or to, you know, scream and yell. Um, Might I gently and um, emphatically encourage you 
to remember that wounds from a friend are better than compliments from an enemy. And uh, let the Apostle Paul be a friend to us. Pray with me as we start. Jesus, thank you for the way of life that you presented to us in the gospel. Thank you for the story of the Old Testament, which revealed over and over and over that religion, that effort, that white knuckle, <laughs> that law, that kings, that power structures, that all of that fails us in redemption. Thank you that Jesus comes on the scene and paints us a new way to live. And thank you for our friend Paul, who writes to this church in Galatia that is so much like us in so many ways and draws them back to Jesus, back to the good news of the gospel, back to the good news of a way of life that Jesus painted for us. Bring us back to that as a people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. After some pleasantries in the opening to his letter and a little humble brag, which was a little awkward for us as a leadership team as we studied this together Tuesday, uh, Paul gets into kind of the meat of the first uh, words of chapter one. Uh, go there with me now in verse six. He says, I am shocked. Uh, another translation says, astonished. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse, and in verse 8, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one preached to you. I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. Obviously, verse 10, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, right? Uh, we're going to see in just a, a moment's time and, and throughout our eight weeks in the book of Galatians, the issues of the day, uh, as I mentioned earlier, are rarely exactly the same as the issues of our day. Though, when you peel back the layers, what's driving those issues of the day are true to humanity over all time. Paul begins this section, which is really kind of a thesis for the whole book of Galatians a thesis statement for all of the rest of the letter and especially the rest of chapter one by calling out the Galatians for their abandonment of the true gospel. In fact, the ESV translation from which the leadership team studied this text on Tuesday night, he uses a couple really abrasive words. At least they're abrasive to me. He says in verse six, astonished that they are deserting, deserting. The gospel, he also says that they're distorting the truth. 
And then he uses the phrase twice in the latter verses of this little chunk, accursed. May they be accursed. I can't say that that word has ever come out of my mouth in any sort of casual conversation with friends, right? Uh, accursed. And, and all of that kind of leads to this statement in verse 10, which is really um, the fulcrum point that I think this seesaw will rock back and forth for us at least today, if not a good portion of the series. Obviously, he says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. For if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Now, this can kind of be uh, taken one of two ways. So um, let me do my level best to uh, coax out uh, each of our own sort of tendencies in that way to go. So this whole idea of I'm not trying to please a man, but I'm trying to please God. And if I was trying to please man, uh, I would not be Christ's servant. Some of us take this one direction of as long as everybody's mad at us, then we must be following Jesus. You ever heard this, right? You, you probably, maybe you've even been one to say these sorts of statements. Like, well, you know, if everybody likes what we're doing, we must not be following God. And that there's almost a kind of a martyrdom to as long as my opinions fall outside the flow of culture, then that must mean I'm following Jesus. So as long as I can just make sure everybody's mad at me all the time and I hold a differing view than all my friends, then somehow I'm in with God, right? So we, we, we play that sort of counter-cultural way. The problem is, uh, like most binary things, that'll work for you about half the time. The problem is, you'll be convinced it's working all the time. And then we have to start going, wait a minute, am, am, I, wait, am I with Jesus on this one, or is, or is this just my junk, right? The other side we can go at this stuff for most of us is, listen, I just don't want to rock the boat. This is Stu in the room where politics come up, and I just run out of the room. I just got to get out of here. I just, I don't want to be around this. I don't want to, I don't want to play mediator. I know what that person's going to say. I've heard it a hundred times. I know what that person's going to retort with. I know that person's going to roll their eyes. And then I know that person's going to say nothing and send me a nasty email about all y'all on Monday and tell me <laughs> to sort y'all out. And so it's just better if I'm not in the room, right? We kind of have that run and hide. We have that sort of loud proclamation that, you know, I kind of call this our Braveheart moment. Like, ah! or we have that sort of, you know, hideout. Guys, this is, this is as natural to us as our own existence. You see, the, the, the gospel doesn't begin in Matthew chapter 1. Don't ever forget that. Let me, just a, a little call back to remember what the good news that God is redeeming everything begins with. We begin in Genesis. God creates all of it, and he has humanity governing all of creation. Great power, great authority, tremendous fame. You're known, you're the center of the whole universe, human beings. You get to call all the shots. I'm going to walk with you in the garden every day. You're going to know my voice, and I'm going to know yours. And then it all goes sideways. Adam and Eve lose their innocence. They sin. 
But, but the greatest cost in that moment is their loss of innocence. Their, their eyes are open to a world they were never intended to see. And then they begin this progression, right? Immediately they feel shame. They realize they're naked and they feel ashamed. This is how we feel a good portion of our, I'm ashamed of the mistakes I've made. I'm ashamed of the things I've done or said. And so they hide. They hide because they're ashamed. They're ashamed because they hide. That, that little cycle just kind of spins on its own, right? They hide from God. They're ashamed. They realize they're naked. Then pain comes in. The pain of childbirth for women. The pain of toil for men. Pain becomes a central feature in the story of humanity, in this loss of innocence, in this brokenness. And then out of pain comes anger. Out of pain comes anger. Cain looks at Abel, his brother, in chapter 4, and Abel's offering was a more suitable offering to God, and Cain feels exposed. He's been hiding, he's felt shame, he's felt pain, but now he's exposed, and there's no hiding any longer, and he's so angry he murders. And God says to him, why are you so angry? You ever had somebody in a conversation looking at you and go, why are you so mad about this? Right? I am not angry, right? Fist through a wall. Okay, maybe I'm a little angry. This, this is humanity, guys. We deal in these things. We deal in hiding and shame and pain and anger. And then we start to cycle all back over again. And sometimes we, you know, start to cycle, end it at four and come back to two. And we just go two to four, two to four, two to four. This is the story. The story of the gospel of Jesus is undoing all of that. You don't have to hide anymore when you're in Christ. You don't have to live in shame anymore in Christ. You don't, there will be no pain in heaven. You can be free of anger. What does that have to do with verse 10? Well, obviously, Paul says, I'm not trying to win the approval of others. I, I want to try and exercise uh, for just a brief moment here. I, I may take just like 90 seconds in this room of silence to try and exercise. Uh, if you're taking notes, uh, finish up the note you're taking and then set it down. If you're looking at your phone, set it down for a minute. Flip it upside down. Wh whatever you can do. Um, and I, I want to just encourage you on an exercise. Uh, this text will remain on the screen. I want you to take 90 seconds. It'll feel like longer, but I promise it'll only be 90. And I want you to just read this over and uh, just see what lands, what hits you, what word jumps out at you, what phrase causes confusion or bugs you, or, or maybe, maybe even God speaks to you in those 90 seconds. You go, oh man, you get a revelation. So just spend 90 seconds with no agenda, reading this over, and just see what lands. And I promise you, I'm not going to ask you to share later, okay? So you don't, you don't have to manage the situation and figure out what you're going to answer, okay? It's just, this is between you and your own soul. All right, 90 seconds.
obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of others, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Maybe God spoke to you in just even that quick little 90-second exercise. Maybe a word simply landed on you that you thought, huh, I wonder why that word bugs me or jostled me internally a little bit. Probably something worth paying attention to. If something significant landed on you, some, some word, uh, some God moment there, the Holy Spirit broke through in just 60 seconds of silence and was able to whisper something to you that made a difference, that's worth writing down in your notes. That's worth coming back to maybe 10 minutes every day the next week. Your, your prescription for the health of your soul over the next week is to spend 10 minutes a day coming back to that word that landed on you and going, God, what does that mean? What's going on with that? What, what, what are you trying to say to me? About that? You see, in the church in Galatia, Part of the cultural underpinning of how that world worked then was a hierarchy of the social construct that revolved completely around a religious hierarchy and culture. There were rabbis and Talmudim. There were religious councils. They, they, they ran everything. And if you were in the religious world, where you stood in that pecking order was everything. And so, Paul writes this letter to this church in Galatia to say to them, listen, you're beginning to listen to a gospel that isn't the one that we brought originally directly from Christ. You're listening to this guy over here who's got some new ideas, or this guy over there that's trying to take you back to some old ideas, but none of that is the gospel that Jesus preached. And the first problem for Galatia, and maybe arguably the biggest problem that the church in Galatia faced was a tendency to follow the wrong voices. And, and all of that was rooted, at least in part, or at least um, a good portion of that, was rooted in an attempt to land on the right side of the historical landscape you wanted to land on. Starting to sound a bit more familiar of our day? Well, I'm a conservative, and I think like this. I'm a progressive. Progressives believe this. What does Jesus say about it? Well, I don't know. What's he have to do with anything? And this, in the last four or five minutes, is where this gets the least comfortable for the guy who wants everybody in the room to be happy. And who wants everybody in the room to like him? Uh, now, I can, I'm a big boy. I can live with you not liking me. Um, but if you all are going to fight about politics, I'm generally just going to run out of the room. Um, but, but this, the text, God seems to be speaking fairly clearly. Yeah. You see, the approval that we seek says everything about the news we follow. That's not a swipe on Fox or MSNBC. Don't, think bigger than that. I'm talking good news. I'm talking the news about Jesus. And the, the thing to which we want to please, the idea, the ideology, the person, the, the grouping, the, the dollar amount, the whatever it is in your life that you are trying to please, 
says everything about the news that you will follow. And the news that perpetuates that thing that you're longing to get is the news you and I tend to follow. In our time, we're being convinced that the only approval we should seek is our own. It comes out in phrases like, you do you, boo. <laughs> now, sometimes we say that sarcastically, like, you're an idiot. Go ahead, you do you, boo. Uh, you know, <laughs> let me know how that works out for you. But we see it in all kinds of phrases. You know, and I, I, this is a bit of an axe to grind for Stu, so, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But it's, you know, just follow your dreams. You can be anything you want to be. No, you can't. You actually can't. You can be exactly what God designed you to be, or you can be something fake. Come on. It's like, in that sense, it's binary, guys. God has designed you to be something. He's designed you to share a certain destiny and to impact the world in certain ways, and you can choose to chase after that, and you'll foul it up left and right, center all the time, but you can choose to chase after that, or you can say, I'm going the other direction. You see, the, the good news of Christ, the, the gospel of Jesus, the way of Jesus has a perpetual and non-stop message of self-sacrifice. There is nothing in the gospel that says to you, to you, or to me, get what's yours and deal with the rest later. Jesus advocates for reckless generosity. Jesus says we are blessed when we are persecuted for living righteously. Jesus says and demonstrates his encouragement that the disciples harbor nothing against another brother or sister, especially anger. Some of us are still mad at our dads and moms for things that happened 50 years ago. And Jesus says, my disciples don't harbor anger. What? I built my whole life on that. I've achieved everything I've ever achieved in life on, <laughs> you know, proving the guy back there was a moron, right? Whoever that guy is. Jesus said it would be better to gouge out your own eye than to please your own personal fantasies by lusting after someone else. Jesus says to love your enemies. There's, and let me just, you know, that's not enough and you're not already irritated enough. That's only in the first part of one chapter of one gospel. That's only in Matthew 5. Like that's not even the... This picture of what it is to walk the way of Christ is always a self-sacrificing way. It is always a way of saying, you know what? There's only one person I please that I seek to please, and that is God himself, which is sort of a wonderful existential coincidence because he is the only one you ever can actually please. You will never be enough for your spouse if you are married. Shocking news, I know. And for some who've been married a long time, you're like, yeah, no, I, I know that. Um, <laughs> you're just never going to be enough. The, the level, and I know this is a, a very um, important theological term, but the level of not enoughness that you carry in life is huge 
and you will always have it, which is tough. You know why? Because they're not either. <laughs> it's just the way it goes. You, you just can't please them. And guess what? Your own internal desires, your desire to be richer, to be prettier, to be younger, to be smarter, to be more ambitious, to be more hardworking, to all that stuff, none of that will ever please you. Yeah. It will never please you. It will never please me. So this, this way of Jesus that Paul is calling the church in Galatia back to is a way that rebukes at its core this phrase of, I'm just going to do me. There's no room in the gospel for I'm just going to do me. The way of Jesus, th this life with which Paul is inviting us back to is a life that pursues the voice of God the Father that is passionate about the teachings of his son, Jesus. And it's true to the convictions of the Holy Spirit. That's the voice that matters. That's the one we seek to please. That's the one whose opinion of us matters. Now, for some of us, we're people pleasers, but for a lot of us, the only person we care to please is ourselves. I'm just gonna do me. And where I can fit everything else in, I will. You see, the good news we are prone to abandon teaches us to sacrifice our agenda to follow Jesus. I can't pursue the agenda that is an about face from Jesus and pursue Jesus. And the only place where I will ever be fulfilled is following Jesus. To be clear, even the teachings of Jesus, even on where those teachings land in a room, even this size, we will all disagree on. And so Paul's encouragement here is not necessarily like you got to get this argument over circumcision right or wrong, which was kind of the, one of the key arguments going on there. The argument was let's always take the argument back to the gospel. So if what we're trying to say, and we'll have an election this year, if what we're trying to say is, I'm trying to figure out who to vote for, instead of who's going to get me more of mine, we say, Jesus, what's your way? Yeah. What's your way? I get that's maybe a little Pollyannish in a pretty broken world where, you know, maybe the way of Jesus is a third way. But this is the muscular discipline spiritually that God's inviting us to and that Paul's calling us back to, to in every issue. Hey, what do I do with this issue at work? Well, what's the smart thing to do? What's a good leadership decision? What will look good to my superiors? No, no, no. What's the way of Jesus in this decision? What's Christ's way in this decision? Well, I don't know. That might not actually be good leadership. Yeah, it might not be. What's the way of Jesus? What's Jesus's way in this? see, the false gospel that Paul so aggressively calls out in the Galatians is the same false gospel that is plaguing us, disciples, church, this very day. And it is our insatiable hunger for self-satisfaction, for self-protection, and for self-promotion. And it's all working against the very gospel we long to follow. And, and this much I know after about 15 years together. I know that we want to follow the gospel. So it's not like we don't. And, and Paul writes the same way to them in, in his letter to the Galatians. He knows their desires to follow the gospel. So we're not trying to 
convince one another that the gospel is the most beautiful way to live. We're trying to get things back on the rails to actually walk it out. And it begs a question of each of us that may be best posed as a thought experiment for each of us individually as we close the week. If you had to name one person, one group, one ideology, which you seek to please most often, what name comes to your mind first? Don't say it out loud. And it may be something that requires some thought throughout the week. Based on the way that I live, what ideology, what person am I seeking to please most? I've had a few extra weeks to think about this <laughs> uh, as I've been looking at this stuff. And I can tell you it has been a, a very gentle hand of correction by God in my own life saying, Stu, you know exactly who it is you seek to please. It's you. You seek to please you. You seek to get what you want. You seek to make sure the universe bends to your will. You, it's you. I went, oh, man. I must be all alone in that. <laughs> I don't think I am. I don't think I am. Obviously, Paul says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. And forget not, uh, we are people too. So <laughs> not seeking to win the approval of myself, but of God. If pleasing myself were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, may your will, may your way of life to which you have invited us be that which we seek to please. And God, as we dig into some critical issues of our day over the next several weeks, I suspect we may touch on politics. We may touch on human rights. We may touch on race. We may touch on personal freedom. We may touch on a whole bunch of things that I'm prone to run out of and that maybe others are prone to fight over. May we be the kind of people who learn increasingly as a family of faith to say, what does the gospel of Jesus say about this issue? What is the way of God? How, how does God redeeming all of creation change the way we see this issue? For we believe that your way is the best way. Shape us in it, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.